right, all right, all right, all right. Day 247. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. And I'm, my name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so this is the last day of the book of Matthew. And these are Jesus's last days, right, on earth where he comes. He's in Jerusalem. He's his ministry has come to a close and his life is about to come to an end right for his people and uh we pick right back up man in matthew chapter 25 and again it's so much in these texts fam it's so much in these texts that we can't get to it and i'm low-key sad we can't get to it fam but um matthew 25 is the last is the last part of the last uh is, is the last part of the last of the um uh, teaching blocks, right? So this is the fifth and final major teaching block. And we ended off last time in the middle of the teaching block in Matthew 24, in the end of the age coming, all that good stuff. And here Christ is going to continue though with the same kind of thing, but with a, from a different angle, right? So he's going to give this parable. The first parable is of the 10 virgins, right? 10 virgins, half were wise, half were foolish. And the foolish didn't properly prepare for the groom's coming, right? When the wise did by taking oil for their lamps, right? And the groom comes in the middle of the night. And at that point, it was so unexpected. And I think the testimony of all the gospels is that the kingdom comes, listen, in a way that no one expects, right? The kingdom comes in a way that no one expects, right? Nobody expected a, a Messiah to come and die and rise from the grave after three days on a Roman cross, right? Nobody expected that, like took us all by surprise. But it also comes when <laughs> no one expects it right and jesus is getting at that point here the kingdom doesn't just come in an unlikely way but in an unexpected point in time so therefore disciples are to live alert are to always be on alert and at any moment the lord could come and set up shop and will we will we be found faithful right will we be found faithful right and those that were wise listen this is wise to live listen it is wisdom to live like uh, uh future uh, realities are coming, right? Like that is to live in the present as if future re realities are coming is wise, fam, right? And they had oil for their lamps, right? They were permitted into the wedding banquet, right? And the interesting thing here is that he's going to say that, no, no, some will be, will be told, like, just like he said in Matthew chapter seven, like, I don't know you, right? Those who are not prepared, I don't know you, right? And you know, uh, Christ is just using this very strong language because it is very serious. <laughs> Christ uses strong language because this is serious. Will you be found faithful when the Messiah comes back? Have you stewarded uh, uh, what he's giving you? Uh, parable of the talents. Getting into that. Parable of the talents. Um, now, a talent in the first century was a type of currency. It, it, it was it was 6,000 days worth of wages, right? A lot of money. Um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of money. And in the parable... It represents the many gifts, privileges, and resources and opportunities that Christ presents to us in this life. And only those who steward those well, even in what seems like a daun his daunting delay, are those that inherit the kingdom, right? And it's interesting that, uh, again, right, like Christ gives us so many opportunities uh, uh, and, and privileges and resources for the kingdom. Are we stewarding stewarding, stewarding them uh, in that direction is the ever-present question right you have a, a position of authority you may have a particular ministry you may have influence over children right just just so many things god has given us are we stewarding them for the kingdom lastly 25 uh he, he says um at the end of the age no no the son of man 
he's going to come back in all of his glory, right? On his throne. And uh, he will separate the righteous sheep from the goats. Now notice the royal imagery here. Christ is going to come back reigning as king. And he's going to come back to judge the living of the dead. Paul says this all the time. I love it. And he says he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Now, I love what he says here. He he divides the, the world into two groups of people, right? First thing, ain't no middle ground, chief. Either you <laughs> you a sheep or you are a goat. Clear. Jesus. not is Jesus' words, not mine. He says, I'm going to divide the world into the two. And guess what I'm going to divide the world based on? Oh, my God. He says, yo, it's not about how many times you've read the Bible, even though that's a good thing. It's not about uh, how many times you've attended church, even though that's a, a great thing, especially in this age. Uh, it's not about how much you've shared the gospel with your neighbors. As important as those things are, Christ says, those that clothed the naked, cared for the stranger, fed the hungry, and gave drink to the thirsty are those that are sheep. The rest of them will be thrown into eternal fire. Now, I love, now that's so, now, now Christ is just messing with all of our categories here, right? And I think ultimately, fam, ultimately when it, when it really boils down to it, Jesus is saying um, that those who belong to him, that those who are in his kingdom, this will be the kind of life's lives they live. And those are lives that are submitted to his lordship and love of the people around him. Right. And Christ is so strong about that. And, and many have pointed uh, what he says here back to the beginning of what he said in Matthew 23. These are the weightier matters of the law that the Pharisees uh, weren't carrying out. Right. And these again, this is not an entry fee technically to the kingdom, but it, it is characteristic of those that are going to inherit the kingdom. Right. And I think this is a, a wake up call to some of us today, fam. Some of us have a privatized me and my Bible, I'm trying not to sin uh, 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 vertically in my room against God, Christianity, right? And, and Jesus is saying that is to misunderstand Christianity. It is an embodied, real, practical, tangible life of faith under the Messiah where you love and live for the Messiah and you love and care for and uh, pour out your life for other people. That's Christianity, according to our King Jesus. I love it. 26 comes. The plot to kill the Lord. The, the book of Matthew takes its final turn here in chapter 26. And as we have seen, uh, uh, we see the events that led up to this moment. And then we see the events that are that are kind of characteristic of this moment, right? That, that are leading up to Jesus' Jesus's, uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And we have the plot, right? The anointing, the celebration of the Passover, right? Christ's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is like, Lord, take this, this cup away from me, right? Where he is pleading, where he's in anguish, right? The actual betrayal of Judas Iscariot. We can't even go into all this stuff. And then I'm going to get us here. I'm going I'm I'm to land a plane here. He, he, he comes to the, the trial before the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin. And it's interesting, um, and it's often overlooked in Matthew's gospel, is that Jesus has two trials, right? He doesn't just have one. He has the trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin and then before the Romans. Now, remember what Jesus said. He says he will go before, he will be handed over, right, uh, um, to the by, by the chief priests and, and, and the scribes, right? And then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, right? So, so, so it's the Jews and the Gentiles who's guilty, right? We've said that before. 
and here in the Jewish trial, notice the way he's questioned, right? Chapter 26, notice what they ask him, right? Um, they ask him about, uh, uh, they say, verse 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find, e uh, find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. The high priest stood up, I'm going to 62. The high priest stood up and said to him, don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah. So in other words, the Jewish people are going to crucify Jesus because he is posing in their eyes to be or lead him to be crucified because he is posing to be a messianic pretender, right? He out here faking, he out here fronting like he the Messiah. Right. And that is bearing false witness to something that was immensely serious in the first century. Right. And they say, yo, tell us if you're the Messiah or not. And guess what Jesus do? Jesus is so smooth. He quotes Daniel chapter seven and then he quotes Psalm 110. Now, these are two of the most important messianic texts in the Old Testament. And he applies them to himself. So so he's. He's saying more than, he, it's like more than just saying just yes, right? So he's applying these texts to himself, right? And because Christ claims to have this authority, and remember the Messiah would reign, but the Messiah's reign would usher in God's reign. So this is blasphemy, according to these Jews, if he's lying, right? And so again, this penalty and blasphemy, uh, you go read the law, go read the Torah, Leviticus 24, right? It deserved death. It deserved death. And it says, the text says this. Then they spat in his face and they beat him. Others slapped him and said, prophesy, prophesy to us, Messiah. Who was it that hit you? Listen, Christ is unjustly beaten and persecuted for sins in this text that he didn't commit. I love it. I love it. We, you Don't miss that. That can go over your head. He He's persecuted in this text. He's being charged as guilty for sins he didn't commit. The text is so rich because this is what Christ is going to die for. He's going to die for sins he did not commit, but that we uh, uh, did, right? That we did. And you see how the gospel is just unfolding here. And in 27 comes, Jesus is finally handed over to the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate. So before in 26, we had the Jewish trial. Here we have the Roman trial. And the narrative is interrupted by Judas hanging himself. Now, remember, Judas had hung himself out of guilt because he, he, he betrayed the Messiah. He sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus gets asked by the Roman officials. He's, he's asked, is he the king of the Jews? And according to Roman law, notice uh, silence was simply an admission of guilt, according to Roman law. And Jesus, at the same time, well, so, so admit that he's, yes, I'm king of the Jews. And then two, he was fulfilling Isaiah 53, uh, 53 verse seven that spoke of him not opening his mouth like a lamb going to the slaughter, right? And so you have the whole exchange where Barabbas is released instead of him at the festival, right? Jesus gets this crown of thorns placed on his head and he's crucified between two criminals. And this small detail in uh, uh, Matthew 27, 19 is, is, am is amazing because, uh, it's one that's overlooked and it shows the limitless grace of God, God, even as they are crucifying his very own son. And what happens is this Pilate's wife, Pontius Pilate, the one who's crucifying Jesus, his wife has a dream. And the text says this, 
while he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today, I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. In these days, Greeks and Romans believed that God communicated to them in dreams. And even in the Old Testament, you see this as well. This idea as well. Joseph, Daniel, Honan. And we must remember that at the beginning of Matthew, God spoke to Joseph, Mary's uh, husband, in a dream when he told him to flee to Egypt so that Mary could become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, all that. However, God here, while his son is on the cross, fam, is giving these Romans a chance to repent by indicating his innocence. And it's amazing, fam. Like while they are crucifying the holy, righteous, perfect son of God, God gives them a chance to turn from their sin. If that does not like convince you deeply of the limitless, unbounded grace and mercy of God, I don't know what will. Right. God gives them a chance to repent, fam. And Matthew, like again, is going to point this back. He's going to keep pointing this back, fam, to Israel's history. How they had over and over persecuted the Messiah. And at the end of the day, like, you know, the Messiah or persecuted the prophets and the prophets. Um, yeah, were persecuted. And uh, Israel was was waiting, was waiting on the Messiah and the Messiah. They had been waiting on to save them was the one that they killed. Right. They killed him. And. And in, in, in the in the wisdom of God, in the infinite wisdom of God, they didn't know that this was part of God's divine plan all along so that he could conquer sin at the cross and pay for the sins of humanity. Listen, the kingdom that we've been talking about throughout this entire book comes to bear in history by way of a crucified king, one who brings the reign of God through suffering, who shows his great honor and glory through his humility and his submission this is the king we all serve and this is the king we give our lives to the person of jesus christ matthew 28 comes jesus dies on the cross he's buried uh he's put in, in a tomb and in matthew 28 we are told of the setting of the resurrection first day of the week it's sunday right a full week has gone by it is the first day of the week and jesus is going to inaugurate the new creation he is going as some theologians say he is going to bring the future back into the past he is going to bring the future to invade the present well uh, uh, one uh theologian would say that no no because of the resurrection we don't have a hope in the future we have a hope from the future don't miss that we have a hope that comes from the future and both mary the both Marys are on the way to the tomb to see Jesus. And to their surprise, they find an angel of the Lord there. And he says this, don't be afraid <laughs> because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified and he is not here for he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And so what Christ does is he appears to them and he meets them. He meets the rest of the disciples in Galilee, just as he said he would do in these are his departing words time is screwed up on us so we have to go to his departing words to what uh christians call today the great commission it says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go 
Therefore, I make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, these are some of the most treasured verses in Scripture by many of us uh, for a reason. Right. They speak of the authority that Jesus has on both heaven and on earth. God has brought his heavenly kingdom to earth and united both realms in one person through the bringing of uh of his messiah his resurrection too his resurrection is god vindicating him as righteous in other words it is the reward he receives from the father by the spirit for his perfectly righteous life and obedience three nonetheless because of all the power he has as the crucified and now resurrected king he commissions his people his disciples to go he came now they go right and he fulfills the divine mission and now he empowers his people for mission for he shows a disciple isn't just a follower of jesus but a follower of jesus who helps other people follow jesus and creates more followers of jesus fifth he shows us this is a multi-ethnic multicultural reality the great commission is meant for all nations all of the ethnos where we get our word ethnicities from this is this is not just for for jews or just for gentiles <laughs> but for everyone in between six discipleship doesn't just stop at conversion right jesus is saying no no i want people to be saved but i also want them to obey right he says no no teach them everything i've commanded right teach them to observe everything i have commanded right um we want people to say but we also want them to obey everything our great shepherd king and lord would require of us seven the great commission anticipates Pente pentecost the great commission anticipates pentecost you'll see this in acts chapter two but all throughout the gospel christ will say i will be with you to the end of the age and yet he is with us because of the holy spirit being with us he is the one who empowers his people to carry out the mission of the father based on the work of the son i love what he says too and um it's it's, it's clear what he says here. he says um make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name singular <laughs> in the name singular of the father of the son and of the spirit so he has one name but three persons <laughs> and he shows that um that god had revealed himself remember god had revealed himself in exodus chapter three and, and moses says like who you telling me to go to the Israelites, like whose name <laughs> am I supposed to say who sent me? And he says, I am, I am, right? Or we get Yahweh and all that kind of stuff from. And uh, he says, tell him I am sent you. And uh, the name of God is revealed to Israel in the Exodus. And um, the name of God is further revealed in the new Exodus where Jesus comes to not liberate his people from slavery, but from slavery to sin, right? And the, and the name, the singular name of God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, showing that this is one God in essence. God is one in essence and three in persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has come to provide the redemption of all of humanity. And he says, no, no, I'm with you until the end of the age. I love it. I wish I had time to talk about how Jews in the first century believed that there was this two age structure to history, right? That there was this present evil age. And then there was the second, uh, the, the age to come as Paul's going to, as, as Paul's going to talk about it, the messianic age. And what, and what this gospel is saying is that the messianic age has invaded into this present evil 
age, Galatians 1, 4. Um, and now what we do is live in the overlap of the ages, right? Waiting on the Messiah to come back, uh, to finish and complete the work he started uh, uh, in us and in the world. Uh, the work of the Son by the power of the Spirit that brings glory to the Father. Let's pray. God, we ask for grace today. I pray that we will remember the last week of Jesus' life and the last days of Jesus' life and what that means for us uh, all of our days going forward. I pray that you would give us great memory of these things and that we would meditate on them and live our life in light of them. It's in Christ's name we pray.